welcome to Shh, We're Reading Dirty Books. This is Kalina. And this is Saylet. And we are a paranormal romance book review podcast. Yippee! Yeah. So thank you for joining us again for this episode. And uh, we are here to talk about books and sex yeah. books with sex okay. in them. There was sex in this book that we're going to talk about. In this book. <laughs> All right, but first, I've got a quickie for you. Oh, okay. All right, ready? <laughs> ready for this intriguing <laughs> quickie that is stemmed from this novel we just read? Are you Team Edward or Team Jacob? <laughs> oh, oh, no. I knew you were going to hate it. Oh. <laughs> but it's going to be fun. All right, full disclosure. <laughs> I read all the books as they came out, high in that period of reading you know like the harry potter the twilight the like mm-hmm. where hunger games hunger, that, well yeah. i never read hunger games so i can't say okay. but yeah that yeah that kind of period of time that era and i technically enjoyed the books while i read them mm-hmm. but they rapidly lost shine on retrospect like it, it, in once you're done with them you're kind of like god what the fuck <laughs> About those books, and I haven't even seen all of them. I think I've seen the first movie only. Wow, okay. I haven't seen them all, um, so I have a real negative opinion about them as a whole, especially like the more I found out about the books and their origin and stuff. If I have to pick a team, I'd be Team Jacob. Edward was a straight-up nonsense character. Like, that's some bullshit. Um, there's no way you make, you know, 90, 100 year old vampires go to high school over and over and over again. You fucking put them in college. Like, that's just so fucking stupid. I can't even handle it. And yeah, his and Bella's relationship sucked, sucked bad. But Jacob, I'm team Jacob, but not for Bella. I'm team Jacob. Get the fuck away from these assholes. Go live your life as a cool Native American werewolf. I appreciate that. I like that a lot. I think (laughs) that if you watched the rest of the movies and because they, I mean, they didn't, obviously they didn't follow the books 100%, but they follow them pretty good, I think. So, okay. I am team Edward, not just because I like vampires more than, I know, look, we both made a face at each other (laughs) because I was really surprised. (laughs) And I was never, uh, okay, the main reason I'm team Edward is because that's who she ends up with. It doesn't matter what the rest of anybody else thinks. That's who she chose. That's her decision, right? She needs therapy. She, (laughs) Jacob was so... I felt like he was so manipulative because he was always in her head telling her how much she really loved him and maybe not or maybe also Edward. And he's like, he, he just kept telling her how she felt about things. And this woman, yes. this girl is like, I don't actually don't really know. And he just like, yes, you do, Bella. And like, you're besides, right. Like, they all shaking suck. her. No, they all suck. And that's why Jacob just needs to go out in this world and live his cool werewolf life without any of these assholes. And the end, I was absolutely distraught over him actually being secretly oh. imprinting on the fucking baby. I was like, yeah. I'm done, bitch. <laughs> Take your Mormonism and go. I can't handle this shit. <laughs> No, that was definitely the worst part besides the baby's name of oh. the entire series. But yeah, no, I could I I couldn't either. I do. I do just like I watch every single series of like trilogy or or like whole thing of a movie. Twilight is one of the ones that I like to rewatch every every year. It's just it's just something that I do. And actually, I hadn't seen it for like 3 years before I watched it a couple months ago. But yeah, like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and Well, yeah, Harry but those Potter, are good fucking yeah, books. Yeah, but those are good <laughs> and good yeah. And good movies. Yeah. Here's the thing. I love both those actors and everything else they do. I think it really was a shame Mm -hmm. that they ended up in those movies. Robert Pattinson in Tenant is fucking awesome. Like, I just fucking love him. Obviously, I haven't seen him as Batman. There's a lot of issues about Batman, I guess. Whatever. I don't fucking know. I don't watch Batman anyway. I don't want to. (laughs) Yeah. Superheroes are not my thing. So, (laughs) but yeah, I love them. And I feel like, especially Kristen Stewart got a lot of shit. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And she's a fantastic actor. And she just have needs you to seen get... her in the new Charlie's Angel? Sorry, I didn't. No, I haven't. Her and Spencer really was that. just fucking phenomenal. Oh, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. The fact that she didn't win an award for that is shocking because mm. she was very, very good as Diana. She is an actor and she just killed it. And so like that whole Bella thing is just that character just sucked so much more. It ruined a lot. (laughs) And like the older I got, the more I was like, fuck this fucking book and these characters. They're not well done. I was reading something that Anna Kendrick uh, posted something like on her her tweet or her IG. She goes, holy shit, I was in Twilight. (laughs) I do love how she occasionally remembers that. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny. I love her so much. But no, I think you're right. I think that they're like all of the underlying, all of the extra stuff behind the making of I mean, the movie and the book. In that whole second book where she like literally threw herself off a cliff just to hear Edward or something. I just, was like, yeah, because anytime she went through some type of like anxiety trauma attack, or danger, yeah, he would speak. In he her would head. show up and be like, "Don't do it," and then she'd be like, "Fuck you, I'm falling in a cliff." I so. just that's the part where you go, "No, I don't." It, Definitely, there's a lot of messages that they were sending to the younger gen there that was like, oh, no, don't do that. That's not a good thing to do. Mm-mm. This isn't love, guys. <laughs> this, this is, is not, not love. love. It's, it's not this a great obsession. coping mechanism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it, it, you know, it's not good. But as I... I, I think you're right. I, I do feel that way about Edward as well. But as I <laughs> as I was watching this last time around, I was just like, fuck you, Jacob. Let her make her decision. No, you're not wrong. He also does suck. <laughs> yeah. But I think... He, but I, well, it. it's not... It, we're not... This does make sense because I don't like vampires as much as you like vampires. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You like the hairy bear. The big, I like fucking the animals. Give you me love something fuzzy. Yeah, that's true. That time. does totally follow our MO. <laughs> So yeah, all right. Uh, this is good. <laughs> yeah, because in this book, in this book, they sort of reference it back. I think just playfully back and forth for different things. But anyway, so for this episode, we read "Big Bad Wolf" by Salika Snyder, narrated by Shiloh Gray, and we are highlighting Salika for the AAPI American History Pacific Islander History Month of May. So she is our first of two, right? Yes. We're doing Helen. Yeah, we got Helen one. Huang next. Oh yes. Thank you. <laughs> so we enjoyed this book and we're happy to talk to you guys about it. So let's just fucking get into it. Clits notes? Clits notes? Can you do it? Uh, well, I can <laughs> give it a shot. <laughs> so first, I think key part to this book is it is definitely more urban fantasy than our more mm-hmm. paranormal romance. Now there's tons of sex and relationships in this. So it is a romance. It's an urban fantasy romance. But instead of like whole other world magic building, this is our world as we know it, plus shifters, mm-hmm. you know, and it's got that kind of thriller, legal law enforcement thriller vibe where, you know, we have some of our characters are lawyers and some are cops and some are private eyes and they're doing all this shady background work to find true justice in this world gone crazy. Yes. (laughs) So it's New York. New York is a sanctuary city in this world. I think it's somewhat in the future, like vaguely five or ten years from us, maybe. Oh, from us? Is that what you think from now? I think a little bit. I think they're being very coy about exact timeline, obviously. Okay. But it's it's not exactly today, but it's not a long time in the future. It's kind of Got happening it. now-ish in this world in 2016 when a certain political event occurred. They also released the information that there were shifters and paranormal uh, beings like vampires and warlocks to the world. And the natural fascist tendencies of certain parties in America (laughs) and certain political people who may or may not have been president at that time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Push push the country into that more like quasi-fascist control world. You know, they said that there's no longer president presidential term limits. There are talk of registrations and encampments and locking up people for being non-human. And so, on. Mm-hmm. you know, all of this stuff that is kind of happening already mm-hmm. for non-white people. And now it's happening to paranormals, supernatural mm-hmm. soups in this world. Uh, we've got Joe Peluso, who is a shifter we don't know yet why, but he is on trial for killing six Russian mafia men. 
and freeing a bunch of women who were about to be sex slaved, mm-hmm. sex trafficked, trafficked into the sex slavery world. And he's on trial. Neha is one of his lawyers. So is, you know, I have a couple others. And as soon as they pretty much meet, <laughs> shit is on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> like he's got this very negative outlook. He thinks he deserves to just like go to jail or be killed, whatever he, he did it. He's not even trying to hide it. He's not, he doesn't want to explain it. He doesn't want to say why or like try to find a reason. He just wants to take his punishment. And you know, as far as he's concerned, he's a piece of shit who he was in the military and he in the military became a soup. So he's not a naturally occurring supernatural. He was created by the military in a super black ops, um, program called apex where they turned men into uh shifters and then set them free in the you know battlefield and said go kill the other shifters in the battlefield right yes yep yep um and now he's home his his would-be brother his essential like ostensible brother who he grew up with younger brother Mm -hmm. is killed in a mob violent act and he goes on the rampage to uh just or to avenge them, revenge to avenge them. him, yeah. And in doing so, kills six guys. Is caught, imprisoned, on trial. Blah blah blah. Okay, <clears throat> she's determined to try to help him get off. There's all this like, you know, swirling around with social justice about supernaturals getting fair trials and mm-hmm. making sure, even though like everyone knows he's guilty, he says he's guilty in court. Yeah. <laughs> they still want to make sure it's a fair and. Yeah, they still you wouldn't know, do upstanding process. trial. Like he's and, still getting attacked and beaten in jail because the yeah. Russian mob is trying to kill him for, again, for revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like, no, this is not how it goes. You don't just let people get killed, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, he and Neha are definitely sparks of flying. Something's going on. <laughs> She's like super smart, psychology degree, lawyer, you know, juris doctorate. She's using her profiling skills on him to try to get to the bottom of the story because everyone knows there's something there. Mm-hmm. He, he, he took the time to make the phone call to make sure those girls got freed instead mm-hmm. of walking away and leaving it. They, they would have been like stuck in a shipping container or something and nobody would have found them. But he made sure it happened. And like people and he didn't use his shifter. They could tell he's a shifter. They don't know what kind. They've seen yep. parts of it, but he didn't use it to kill. He just shot them all. He didn't tear them apart or eat them. So there's all these contradictions happening. Like cold blooded murderer, but not using his shifter strength and ability, you know, saving women, all this stuff. Yeah. So she's like, We've got to do our best to defend you. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm guilty. Why are you even trying? And then at uh, the date of their hearing, there's a hit out, a bunch of bullets flying, someone's trying to kill him, and he and her run. They make out a little bit at first, but then they run <laughs> and, and, yeah, they and escape. He helps her. She helps him escape. And then obviously now they're on the run. Quick hot sex in the alley because they definitely are both feeling this emotions mm-hmm. and this relate this lust that they have for each other. He wants to run away and just take his chances. And she's like, no, we have to keep thinking about your your trial. <laughs> we have to yeah. make sure that you don't do anything that jeopardizes your, your um, potential. I just ran away from jail. <laughs> yeah, I think that ship sailed, Neha. But whatever. Um, so she, so they go on the run. She hides him in the uh, Desi community, the Indian-Pakistani uh, communities mm-hmm. around uh, New York. They're trying to figure out what to do. They fuck all the time. They all pretty the time. much are just like, yeah, this is like, <laughs> we, we can't keep our hands off each other. Nope. They call Mm-mm. in the third watch, which is this quasi <laughs> vigilante. vigilante group that, well, they do like, uh, I don't know, mission. They're like a black ops mission in the U.S. And they're not governmental because the government's crazy. <laughs> but they're trying to keep like arms dealing and drug dealing and like the control, especially supernatural control that's happening mm-hmm. in a lot of the illegal fields at bay. But they have to do it through super legal means because the legal system's a mess too. Yeah. So they're they're trying to find there's this Russian bear oligarch <laughs> drug dealer dude and he's involved and 
they're trying to bring down his crew and that's who's trying to kill joe and oh so many there are a lot of moving parts yeah but anyway (laughs) he gets captured they save him she gets captured no she doesn't uh someone else gets captured they save them lots of fights lots of like brawling bears attacking and wolves and all this shit he has a inhibitor chip from the military once they discharged him so he can't shift mm-hmm. but they she takes it out him. Mm-hmm. and now he can shift again so he's the wolf again and yeah they up and down he, i got to protect you stay away from me i'm not good enough oh i yeah. love you oh no <laughs> blah all that stuff <laughs> all the normal back and forth back and forth Yep. And then, uh, you know, all is said and done. The bad guy is killed. He does have to go back to jail, but then he, quote unquote, dies in jail. Yes. And yeah. is reborn with a new identity and goes to work for Third Watch. Neha loses her job because she's basically on the run with a fugitive. Yes. And the law looks down on that. They don't let you be a lawyer if you, you do know. that. But then she goes to work being a therapist for newly released prisoners, but she also kind of works for Third Watch and they, uh, agree to love each other forever all for the common good (laughs) see see how that works out yeah i love the the time period that is sort of the background and all of this and all of the like the social culture that was created from 2016 she's she kept saying that dark day in november the the darkest day and i was like i feel that i feel that so funny i just i love it that she used that like that idea of using that whole situation as a smokescreen to like what racial injustices and all of this other social injustices that are happening and like hey we actually have werewolves and vampires and warlocks and all of that so let's forget about all that stuff but then it does open up that whole other track for more hate to happen though right exactly and and there's still the races like as a -hmm. a brown woman neha is like still fighting the same racism and you know talks a lot about like living in new york and america post 9-11 as a sikh Mm -hmm. and like the turban Mm -hmm. which is very important religiously to sikhs and is nothing to do. tied to Islam, yeah. you know, yeah. but how it identified them as other and made them targets. And um, like the choice, she has two brothers and one chooses to go one way, completely embracing it, full beard, full Sikh uh, yep. turban, all of that. And the other one goes completely clean cut, no beard, no long Only hair. Only dates white women. Exactly. So, you know, how that external pressure can manifest within the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get that. And like, so yeah, we're really talking about, yeah, all of the isms, the racisms and sexisms and stuff. But we have that layer of supernatural view versus human in this book that she kind of uses to also like kind of dig deeper on some of these issues which is very yeah. fascinating and is still able to give us a great story oh you yeah get a lot of action and you get the love and you get the sex and and not just between neha and joe you got other characters in here too that <laughs> there's so many relationships so building in this many. book <laughs> uh so much and so yeah it's it's a fantastic and it's just a really different book for us mm-hmm. we have read a couple that i've called urban fantasy in the past but they haven't had as much of the sex piece in it as this one does which is nice we like that we do like that <laughs> i would say like it was it was the role reversal too the the characters are so different like he is a you know militarized alpha apex predator shifter but he isn't an alpha male like he has pride in being like the best pussy eater in the whatever (laughs) and he like treats women very respectfully and but he also has a lot of emotional baggage because he he has a terrible childhood and he doesn't like himself and he thinks he's not worthy and he's the mm-hmm. one that needs saving all the time. Yep. And Neha's the one that saves him. And she's the steady, sound, emotional one. Like, she's emotional about him because she's in mm-hmm. love with him. But she's not emotional about the situation. Like, right. She, she takes it all in stride in a very, like, you know, she isn't the shifter. But she knows about him because everyone in the world knows about him now. But she takes it all with like, okay, I know what I'm getting into and I'm going to go for it with my eyes open and we're going to take these steps and do this and that. And she's very like methodical and logical about the whole thing. And he's just like a wild tornado (laughs) mess of a man. (laughs) 
Yeah, because she understands like what is right, what's wrong, especially in the society that's, you know, like the, the culture that's happening around society right now. So she's using her professionalism to help this man who is, which I, and you're right, I love that turn in the gender role where he is the one that needs to be saved. And he is also like not an attractive looking man. They talk about how, or Nahav, when she first sees him, says that he's got a face that only a mother could love, you know? <laughs> like you broken know? nose, scars, just, you know, just coarse mm-hmm. and beaten. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help that his that his personality or his facade is the same way where he's just like, I don't care. I don't care about me. Do whatever, do your worst to me. I don't have that love. So it's really sad to see that in a character, that, like in a main character that we're supposed to love. And we do. I love Joe. I think he's a really great character. Obviously, he's a good person. Mm-hmm. But Neha saw that from him in the very beginning. Because, I mean, they also sort of like, quote unquote, imprinted on each other, right? Even though she's human. Yeah, I mean, there's he... definitely a touch of the supernatural <laughs> maybe. Vibe happening, yeah, uh, between them. But no, they're yeah. it's it's good. It's good. It's, it is good. Well, he's so much like like the stereotypical like not in our books, but the stereotypical character who needs to be like that. Women want to change and say <laughs> yes. The the ones are just so stubborn because this is his way. I don't need love to save me. I don't need a woman to save me. But I do want to fuck you because you're fucking hot. Like you know. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, mm. but in the end, realize that it is what they need. And it is love. And, and he is, is just being silly that he thinks it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because he antagonizes her like in the first couple of meetings, you know, just like straight up like, have you ever fucked a blue collar? Actually, I think my voice is a little bit deeper than he's given in the narration. But <laughs> Yeah. That's a little uh, bit rough, but yeah. That one, just for Joe. I think Shiloh did really great for everybody else. Yeah, I agree. I love I loved her Neha, Yulia, the Russian, you know, yes, like, all yeah. of these characters were very good except her Joe was not great. Joe Joe was not as sexy as I wanted Joe to be. But that is a tribute Joe I think to the writing. Didn't sound like a man. No, Joe didn't really sound like a man. But Sulika wrote him very well. Yes. Right? So we know that he's like just this really hot, rugged He's very blunt. Like everything he says is very no, like holds barred, very Mm -mm. blunt about things. Very, I mean, he's just like. He's no bullshit. No bullshit. He doesn't hide behind a facade of stuff. Well, Mm -hmm. he hides behind a certain kind of facade. (laughs) I mean, it's not, it's not his words. Right. Right. And yeah, and he, he just wants to fucking eat Neha's pussy. All the time. A lot. Just all the the, time. The sex is written very bluntly. It is to (laughs) the point. I mean, they fuck a lot. A lot. Their first scene was in an alley escaping their Uh, prison that he's in or the jail. The shooting, the shootout in the the jail. <laughs> they had met at the courthouse making out and then all of a sudden there was a shootout and they escaped and he protected her and and all that and then they made it into the alleyway and then she just could not resist she's like joe and it was just that one word and he's like <laughs> done and fucked her up against the wall <laughs> oh that was hot that was a good scene. oh but it was so fast Bam, it was bam. really fast and again so quick. there's a lot of sex but the sex isn't really descriptive it's just very mm. blunt and fast sex yeah we don't um, get the full romanticization that we normally get in our books. no there's not floral florally talk of uh <laughs> penetration and slick slits yes. and, <laughs> and bulges and no yes. it is just <laughs> dick in up against a wall shoot your load on the bricks like kind of sex oh yeah and narrated that said it wasn't nice it was, <laughs> it was not like nice. straight up fucking just full blown i mean they were running away <laughs> they just escaped from jail so and from a gunfight um maybe you guys don't have time to fuck but if you're gonna do it do it fast do it fast yeah really i have a question yeah really quick though so he does explain a little bit later that as part of the military trial or, or the procedure that he went through to become a shifter uh-huh. they had to have vasectomies yeah but then he said he exploded on the wall yep is that i thought that have happened right i thought it was slightly inconsistent yes because okay. he was very in that scene he was very clear to make sure he pulled out and yes didn't come inside her and maybe he did it just as a precaution lightness okay <laughs> I'm gonna politely pull I'm out. I'm gonna of you. politely not jizz inside okay. you. 
hey, think about it. They're on the run. She literally would have to continue running with shit running down her leg. Oh, like, dude, that you know, running what? out that, of her. I would not want that either. That's a lot and of shit. Into her happening. panties because yes. that shit does not stop for like way too long. You can't hold it in. I don't care no, how your pussy it, is. No. No, it's like why we can't hold on our fucking no periods. It's it just liquid. It falls it out. Happens, people. But so I think I'm gonna go with it was polite to not make her continue on the run with with just running outside of her body. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because yes, I'm... later he does. Uh, I mean, we already know that she has an IUD. She hasn't told him, but mm-hmm. she has a copper implant, and is tested and all of that but um he does tell her later that yeah they they took his they took his ability to procreate when they made him a a wolf shifter because they don't know what that genes would do (laughs) they're like if we're fucking around genetically we're not sure what the hell you'd have if you have kids so (laughs) oh my god did they see, obviously he wasn't the only person that was genetically modified, right? Like uh, he no, was part like of his whole, whole troop was yeah. unit or whatever. Okay, yeah, that Apex okay. program. Okay, so it started off with naturally born supernaturals, which is Elijah and I forgot his other name, but the two guys that built yes. and run Third Watch mm-hmm. or Third Shift. I don't God, I keep calling either. it Third Watch. Third Shift. Oh, I thought it was the third watch. That's why I haven't been. No, it's okay. third shift. Third it's shift. three. It's three S is their logo. <laughs> oh yes, duh. Three S. I keep calling it because I went third to watch. first watch for breakfast. I yesterday. was just gonna say. I think I want to go eat theirs. <laughs> it's so fucking good. I love their food. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Uh, yeah, we should eat said- there for brunch on next Friday. Oh, we needed a place to go. There we go. Anyway. but yes so the two guys that created third shift were part of the first wave or first program of apex because they were naturally they are naturally occurring shifter and warlock or magician or sorcerer whatever they're calling him i think they call them (laughs) warlock yeah and then by the time they get to this the third generation of this program they are making their own through genetic manipulation of the guys but yeah, so they kind of keep an eye out on the Apex men and what they're doing. And so they've all been tracking Joe as he goes through this legal problem. They know, like one, they were already trying to deal with the Russian mob issue. And yeah. then he just goes in and kills six of them. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, well, that is um... uh, causing us more problems. <laughs> so they're keeping an eye on him for two reasons. And then he yeah. goes on the lamb and they're like, we got to get him back. We got to help him. Mm-hmm. And they do, and then he starts working for them because that's a naturally a perfect place for yes, him to work. He should have had that course. job anyway. Whatever. From the beginning. <laughs> From the fucking beginning. <laughs> but yeah, him and Neha sex. They have fuck a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and he talks about how like he was the pussy looking champion of <laughs> his time. Was it high school? I f- it was I have- a voca- it was high school. It was a vocational, oh, yeah. vocational high school. Because then it goes straight into the school. core. Right. Into the military. So, yeah, he talks about, like, his first time with his brother's babysitter or something, and then... Something, um, yeah, there's a yeah. whole lot, like, like girlfriends and this and that, and he said, like, in high school, while everyone else was trying to browbeat their girlfriends into blowjobs, he was figuring out what makes women <laughs> come. Yes. He was like, I don't need that. I want to feel like what they need. Exactly. And I'm like, yes, you do. Thank you. Let's work on that. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I loved the scene where I think it's right after, so they they get on a train and they go to Queens, is it? It's one of the boroughs. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Brooklyn, Queens, who knows, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I can't identify them. I'm not I a New Yorker. I think it is Queens. I think you're right, but yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, a heavily Pakistani or Indian population, so mm-hmm. she can, you know, hide. She has aunties, right? Yeah. And so she goes to one auntie and borrows their, a room that they rent out, like a flat mm-hmm. that they rent out. And they get to that place and they close the door and immediately start making out. And they're like, well, we, she's like, well, we still don't have very much time. You know, like we don't have a lot of time mm-hmm. for this. And he's like, time me. <laughs> and he gets down on, her de- on his knees and like, yeah, <laughs> oral. And, and then as soon as she comes, she's like three minutes. <laughs> and I just was like, I love this scene so oh, fucking much. <laughs> So good. I love the way, like, she was like, I'll really, you you think you're joking, but I'll fucking time mm-hmm. you. I'm not gonna. <laughs> she absolutely did. 
But I think like the bigger accomplishment there is that he was able to get it off like in three minutes. In three minutes with oral. I just in my experience that has never happened. Oh, so that it happens took, for me. So. Th- uh, does he? And maybe I just I think I'm all too up in. You're my way head too up it. in your head. You got to let go because mm-hmm. it is fucking good. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and there was some, there was like, again, it's such a blunt way to write sex, but such a great way too. It's a little bit different than we normally read. Because like he gets down there and he starts eating her out again and he's so excited because he loves the way she tastes. But then he also could taste like their previous sex because he had, they. this is after the mm-hmm. alley sex. This is only like mm-hmm. a little while after they'd taken mm-hmm. a, you know, train ride and then got into the safe house. And so he's like so dirty, so hot. They're so filthy. It's so sexy. And I was just like, oh, this book is dirty as hell. (laughs) It is like literally dirty. And then they they shower. She's like, I can't stop thinking. Like, I can't stop looking at him. He's just so goddamn good to look at. And it's just, yeah, she's almost everywhere they go. It's just a quickie here and there. And it's fabulous. I mean, as much as we like to have the descriptive sex, you know, we talk about that all the time with all of the books that we read. Even some, and I think it's because of the context of the story right Mm -hmm. so they're completely on the run they have to have these like quick and dirty otherwise there's no time for romantic gestures and they're very obviously falling in love with each other but this is not love this is lust oh and they're very like he said it like almost the first i guess it's the second meeting in jail where he's like Oh no, I'm not trying to distract you. I'm obsessed with you. Like like he's just like I can't stop thinking about you. Mm-hmm. He's very honest and upfront about it. Like she thinks he's trying to change the subject or not talk about himself, which he is also doing. He's doing yes. two things at once. But he's he is telling her like I am fucking balls to the wall obsessed yep. with you and I don't know why. <laughs> I and all like, I want to do is fucking fuck you. That's all I want to do. At one point he decides if they bring back the death penalty and he gets executed <laughs> for his crimes that he want he knows what he'll ask for for his final meal and it will be yeah. eating her pussy oh my god i love that scene so or just that like a little bit so much it's like that's fucking brilliant salika i love it like yeah what a what a unique take she on the last meal idea last meal mm-hmm. and that's how much yeah. he fucking loves doing it which i appreciate entirely but you're right but even though as they're both happy because they're both going through the emotions of falling in love right but they're both equally obsessed i think with each other oh, so totally and at this point it's like you're have already broken the law you're already knee deep in shit so you might as well just fucking try to figure it out from there right you can't now go back or at least that's my thinking of it but yeah i mean there is no scenario where you walk back into your life tomorrow as if this didn't happen right right it's all broken Mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. matter what you know, she's not going back to that law firm. She's not going to get to be a lawyer, you know, and yeah. he does have to face the consequences of, you know, mm-hmm. well, I mean, he doesn't end up really, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they figure it out a way. And there's always like choices that you Technically, make, right? he gets 18 years to, uh, you know, a sentence of 18 years with a chance for parole in eight, but then they mm. quote unquote kill him in jail. Something <laughs> so, happens. So he doesn't more. really have to. <laughs> Um, but to be fair, he killed Russian mobsters who were sex traffickers. So, you know. And saved saved six ladies. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. remember how many ladies. I know it's six men he killed, but some unknown number of ladies six, got saved. Six men. So that's, that's yeah. the number I had in my head. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, like, you know, I, I feel like that is beneficial to society. But what are, you know. Hell, yeah. A personal opinion, I Personal. <laughs> Maybe people don't, you know, all the people would agree eh, with that. Maybe not everyone <laughs> agrees, but so what? Fuck them. Uh, but, you know, the decisions that you make in high stressful situations. Right. Because I think that's part of it, too, is like Neha is just like, this is not me. Like, mm-hmm. what am I doing? But I'm making all these choices and I can't turn my back on Joe. I really, you know, she could immediately see that there's more there. And she is attracted to it. It's something that's just, it's hitting her and she wants to keep being helpful and supporting him and like figuring it out. And she's like very blunt at the end. So they go through all this and there's a moment where he like tries really hard to push her away and tell her that Mm -hmm. 
you know, when he was in Afghanistan, he killed people that look like her, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Like, really awful shit. That's true, but also, like, the stuff you say when you want someone to hate you and not yes. love you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, of course, she's hurt, but she still loves him, and she's just like, you fucker, you know, don't try to do that shit. And he's also doing it to try to save her, like, take away her agency in a way and not let her yeah. help with the dangerous part of this mission and, like, go away. But she's just like, at the end, they, they work it all out. They figure out, oh, no, we really do love each other. We can't be this assholey to each other. <laughs> and she's like, look, you have to go get therapy, though, because you're fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I can't be that kind of doctor for you. So, well, I mean, she can, but she can't now. But. No, not with her together. <laughs> yeah. You know? But yeah, so she's like, and I love you and everything. But yeah, you need some fucking therapy, buddy. <laughs> like, let's work through some shit. You probably have PTSD and some stuff. <laughs> And I just love that. I think that's really fun. Because yeah, he isn't. Like, that's the thing is he's not not flawed. He's 100% flawed. <laughs> and he knows it. And they both know it. And he is just trying to keep her away from that. Just like if they do get caught, he could say, she didn't have any part in that. That was all me. So he was definitely trying to save her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But it was super hot anyway. And I really hot. appreciated how... It's it's on the verge of insta love, but they definitely start off in a more like frantic, needy lust situation, which yes. is see, just feels more real anyway. And then they work towards, yeah. you know, all of the cute moments where they're like lying in bed, realizing how close they grew up together and like mm-hmm, naming mm-hmm. the same restaurants that they used to eat at or, you know, bars they hung out with or hung out in as kids and stuff. And so like all those cute moments where you're actually getting to know a person and yeah. like it becomes deeper. And I love that. I love watching that. But some of our books, it's like fate so- and mate and they instantly discover their fated mate and then they're like in love. And you're like, that's not how love works. It does take some more time. Like sometimes there is a lot of lust first. Yeah, and there's absolutely. just like an insane desire to tear each other's clothes off and fuck each other against walls, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then later it kind of grows into a deeper, kinder emotion. Exactly, you could get to know each other later. It's <laughs> totally fine. It's very normal, though. Like that's yeah. not unusual. That's how relationships go. I mean, like it should be. Honestly, mm-hmm. it really should be. You don't fall in love the second you meet someone. You fall in like with them, and you, you fall can in have like, or you can fall in attraction. Love with them. Yeah. yeah. But then it takes time to get love, like you real true love. That. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It builds into that. Yeah. And having, and those are the moments that you can start to experience with that person is afterwards, after you guys have had that sex, that it's just like, I had to fuck you, <laughs> fuck your brains out, you know? But then pillow talk happens and it's like, oh, I am getting to get to know you. And these are the, even though we're in a high stress situation and we're, you know, just ran away from cops and stuff, whatever. <laughs> We're working through this. We could, because they also have two, like, not two choices. They have many choices, but their choices from breaking the law, right? And running away from the law were also to then go and do better for justice and for good and for social, you know, works and stuff. So they're not bad people. No, because he's still, like, even in the beginning when they are running, it's because this Russian mob keeps coming after him, trying to kill him in jail. And, like, they did kill the security guard. Like, obviously, he was on the take because he allowed the hitman into the jail (laughs) or into the courtroom so there's you know they killed somebody who was dirty anyway but on their side quote unquote yeah but yeah it's it's a whole issue uh you know it's not he's not just like a murderer he is a murderer but he is a murderer of bad people (laughs) look and the people dog saints i'm with this 100 100 fucking percent vigilante (laughs) all the way let's do it because um, at the end of the day, that I forget his name, the Russian dude, Yulia's, Yulia's uh, brother. Alexei. Alexei, thank you. Yeah. He's so, even worse. Like, he is yeah. so much worse. And everything he's doing is just a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And so getting him off the streets is a good thing. Yeah. And they get there in the end. And, and he's yeah. so mean to Yulia. He sucks. I know. Even though he's a bear shifter and I like bear I shifters. love bear shifters. It was a real hard one because like all yeah. the bear shifters <laughs> except Yulia die. And I was like, I mm, know. I know. My bears. And, and Danny is just a regular old human guy. Danny's so. just a Korean man. He's just, just like, you know, I can't give you bears, but I can give you cock. <laughs> I just turned into a 13-year-old boy at that moment. I'm sorry. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, absolutely. All of this. Hey, let's do our kiss and tell. 
Okay, I think that's because a good we one. Sort of already I mean, touched yeah. on it a little bit, right? Yeah, so, I think so. You know, being in like situations where you you either have like high anxiety or just you're not thinking straight. There's a lot of pressure. You're going through other types of emotions with the lust that both Neha and Joe are going through, and all of the <laughs> the amounts of sex <laughs> and just so like you know, much. is it an escapism or is it just a way of dealing? Or you know, in their case, they are actually falling in love with each other i guess for this kiss and tell we want to base our conversation around whether or not we have been in a situation where maybe we had inappropriate sex or just created different habits that yeah is not normally us and it's out of a bigger issue like it, it stems yes. from a more emotional environment than typical yeah. right yeah i think that's yeah i think that's right because as much as they were into each other, like if you imagine them meeting in a bar in a different scenario, yeah, they probably still would have ended up, to, you know, hooking up. But it would have been in a they would not have fucked up against a wall in an alley on the run from guns. It wouldn't have <laughs> so been like a it's life a whole or death situation, right? But yeah, so I have. A, I mean, obviously nothing like this story because I've <laughs> never ever been on the run from mobsters or police sure? or gun violence. <laughs> okay, I but. In my mid-20s, I was in grad school, and it wasn't going well for me. Like, I just didn't enjoy it. It wasn't undergrad, which I had loved college. I loved it so much. And I just didn't know what I wanted to do afterwards, so I assumed going to more college was the answer. It's not always the answer, guys. Um, <laughs> you actually have to want to be there. Uh, so I was in a bad, really dark place. I had depression because I wasn't – I did not know where to go from there, and I knew I was going to have to – make a pretty significant choice of stopping that path. I had to change paths and I hadn't really ever done that before because I'd always just been on school path, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when you're, yeah, I mean, you go to school and high school and then college and then grad school. I was just like going to keep doing that because that's all I knew. And I had to well, make a choice and, yeah. to do and something else. Have, you have that gift. Like it's your brainy. It is. You know? Yeah. So, so I was not in a very good place anyway, emotionally and mentally. I was very dark and I made a choice to start a sexual relationship with, with somebody that wasn't appropriate. It was obviously out of stress and like, if I'm going to blow my life up, I'm going to blow it up real fucking good. Like, <laughs> you just yeah. blow the whole thing to pieces. Um, and so I, I did that and it wasn't, it was, you know, sex is at least like makes you feel good in the moment. Like you're like, oh, this is a little bit of something I can control and it feels good. But then immediately I felt even worse afterwards. So that sucks. But yeah, I, you know, I had kind of get that, like that high stress leaning to making the poor choices. Yeah. <laughs> it's poor relationship or sexual choices just because you're in a position where you're like, uh everything sucks I might as well feel good for a short period of time and then later you're like oh that also sucks <laughs> yeah like that's the coping mechanism that you know and that you were comfortable with doing right but in the end it didn't actually solve anything no it didn't make anything better it only yeah. I mean I don't want to say it made everything worse because it was very short-lived period of time it only happened for mm -hmm like a few months. And then I just left that situation. I left grad school. I left Ohio. I left, you know, I just moved home. and was like completely 180 out of that environment. So yeah. it didn't continue to haunt me other than emotionally, because <laughs> I don't like making poor choices. And right. so they, every once in a while, like it comes back and I'm like, oh, God, that sucked. I'm, I'm sorry I did that. You know, we have regrets about the stuff oh, you've done. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it was uh, like having like a cultural connection to it. So I felt like there was a lot of pressure. And I and I want to say that a lot of this was put like I put it on myself, but I was young, you know, and, and I'm talking about way back when, when I was like 16, 17, when I first got engaged to um, my ex-fiance, which thinking about it now, I don't want to, I don't want to discredit and say it wasn't a real thing. There were real emotions. Things were happening. We had a ceremony, like my parents were there, his parents were, you know, everything was there and set and ready to go, but we broke it off or I broke it off. And that was a high stress situation for me, too. I was going through a lot of anxiety. I don't know that I understood what depression was at that time. So mm -hmm. I may not have, if I was going through it, I wouldn't have recognized it. Mm -hmm. But I found solace in Julian and he gave me an out. He was my out. So I had decided to leave my ex-fiance for Jules. And that may or may not have been like the best decision. It's helped me grow. I've learned a lot from being in a relationship with him. But for me, that probably wasn't the best thing that I could have done for myself in the moment, especially for 
being so young, I think that I could have really taken the time to either one, try to get to know myself more because when I was that young, I didn't. Mm-hmm. And when you're like, you know, 16, 17, you think you know. Of course. Know. So you can't know that you don't know until later when you're like, man, I didn't know shit all yeah, back exactly. then. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I do want to say like, I loved Julian. I think that relationship was real. And I did have feelings for my ex-fiance. Obviously, I wouldn't have been wanting to like be willing to marry him and stuff. But I think that there was a confusion between what I was expected to do and what I wanted to do myself. Like, wanted to achieve on my own and so those two things clashed the things that were expected of me weren't what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. and what I thought could be productive in my life so lots of stress and anxiety around that and I think about it a lot like going back and I'm I'm glad obviously it happened the way it did I wouldn't be in the situation that I am now yeah I mean everything does have to work out the way it Mm -hmm. does in order to be where you are today you'd be different otherwise yeah and I you know I I try to think through that too but I still feel you know, I, it was like one of the only times in my life where I have made a choice that is morally wrong. Mm. <laughs> and I don't make those a lot. And so that's why like that hangs over my head as like, I mean, that it doesn't hang over my head. I'm, you know, what, 15 plus years past it. So, but still, it crunches up your heart still. It when does, you, think about it. you know, like, and I you're just know like, how you feel. Yeah. And you're it's like, not a good ah, I'm a better person than that. That sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I mean, it sucks to have those feelings as you're, you know, reminiscing about it, but it's also so normal. I hate feeling it. I go, some of those feelings too you know mm-hmm. and you do you think back and you're just like why the fuck yeah. would i ever but then you sympathize with your old you right yeah yeah it's not like they had issues old me had problems yeah old old, <laughs> old everybody had problems yeah exactly <laughs> not everybody had it right i mean i'd go back and be like don't eat that wendy's cheeseburger not worth it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and i think i think a Nea also sort of has that cultural aspect oh, yeah. it with her, with what is expected of her as a, an Indian woman in America. And like her parents said, uh, it was pretty much my story too. My parents came to this country, worked really hard to get us to where we are. And we all learned English and stuff together, but we all still grew up with certain stereotypes and people looking down at us and, and things like that. So, or, or and even within my family, it's like you're expected to live to a certain standard, get mm-hmm. married at a certain time, have kids at a certain Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't hit those marks. I didn't hit any of those marks. Not that I care. My life is where it is because I made it that way and I'm happy with it. Yeah. I think having found Joe, I feel like Neha's parents weren't really as, like, they didn't pressure her as much into that. I felt like her parents were really open to that idea of just her being her. I think so, too. She had a lot of, like, positive things about how they raised her culturally, Mm -hmm. you know, giving them all of the siblings, you know, her and her two brothers names that were cultural, but still easy enough to say, you know, Neha isn't (laughs) too difficult for the American tongue to pronounce. Her last name, I mean, for instance, (laughs) I couldn't even say it, but yeah. Uh, Am I going to try it? Uh, Do it. (laughs) Aluwalia. Okay. I think is it, Yeah. And so I think they had, but she still like questions, like even before, so like she has a call with her mother before she's, things have gotten completely off the rails. <laughs> she's just thinking about Joe in a nice sexual way, but not, nothing has happened yet. And she's like, mom, am I a bad daughter? You know, cause mm-hmm. she doesn't do the typical thing, you know, like she hasn't married a nice secret man and has a nice easy job and all of that. And her mom is just like, no, that's not what we want we want you to live your life and you know be yourself so I do think she has some of that pressure and like she mentioned like that's how it is in the community like you talked about like mm-hmm. it's not necessarily your parents only it's the aunties and the uncles yes. and the yeah like that aren't even family they're just that's the respectful name for all of the older exactly. adults in the community and you yeah. call them auntie and and they question you like why aren't you married where are your children well <laughs> Uh, you know, you have to get a good husband and settle down, <laughs> you know. And yeah. so she has that. It's still a cultural pressure, even if her parents alone aren't the ones yep. pushing it. That is exactly right. So, yep. yeah. But she, I mean, she still respects it and she still like learns, you know, she still knows her history and her, her yeah. past and and wants to keep the religious aspects of it still like sacred to her, even though mm-hmm. she doesn't really go to her I can't remember the name of their holy place anymore yeah. for, for Sikhs. 
Because at one point, Joe was like, hey, if we're hiding and, and we're wearing Daisy clothes and disguise mm-hmm. and stuff, wouldn't it help me if I wore a turban? And she's like, mm, that's religion. Like, these are just clothes. Like, I'll, you know, mm-hmm. you can wear a shelvac kameez or whatever. That's fine. But a turban is, that's religion. That You can't mess around with that. That's yeah. th- that's sacred. So, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. She doesn't she doesn't cross that line. <laughs> I love that Suleika puts those aspects in there. You know, while we're still reading a paranormal book. <laughs> yeah. There's still so much humanity in, in these stories and the backgrounds of the characters. Because Neha goes through that and she has, she knows what she needs to do to fit in. But at the same time, she, like, she could still be herself no matter what. And with the political environment that this book is based around, it's important to have such a strong character still that believes in who she is and fucks all, you know, like fuck off all the races and stuff. And yeah. it's great. I love all of that background stuff. I was just like, this shit is good. I love this. It was really good. I like this series. I'm excited yeah. for the second book. Um, so far, there's only two out and we'll probably be reading the second one at least next May. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's nothing else. Yes. Um, it's called Pretty Little Lion, so we'll definitely get into that. But yeah, I, I these books are fun. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy the more urban fantasy take on it as opposed to of a more you know supernatural fantasy world. So I yeah. like it. It's fun. Absolutely, she's a good writer, and it, it, it's a unique voice too. Like the mm-hmm. way the you know i keep saying the word blunt but that's really the way all these characters are really talking they're yeah. you know they're pretty straightforward about things they're there's one we the haven't point. even mentioned that like yet which is finn who's the little irish uh vampire oh. uh pansexual irish vampire man yes. who's just like a mess of innuendo and uh, yes <laughs> come ons he's <laughs> to literally everyone every single person in the book Look, we're eventually gonna fuck, so <laughs> Yeah. It's just like it's happening. I don't understand why you're fighting. Gonna this. Happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, do you have a fun fuck fact for us? Um, I do. So um since Neha meets Joe in prison, we thought we'd do an article today about people who fall in love with uh, inmates. And so this is from Psychology Today, uh psychologytoday.com. And it's called Convicted Men and the Women Who Love Them. And it's from January 2nd, 2020, uh, written by Robert T. Mueller, PhD. And it's just going to be, it's not a very long article, so I recommend reading it if you're interested in kind of hearing about it. But, you know, there are quite a a few people who, especially women, who date through email or through letters, uh, men behind bars. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And one uh, study examined them and found out that, you know, varying ages, ethnicities, education, employment statuses, like, you know, it doesn't, there's not one kind. But while they were not diagnosed with major mental illness or personality disorders, 90% had experienced dominant verbally abusive prior marriages. So there's a certain safety that comes from knowing your partner is pine bars. Yes. You know, there is the lack of some of that extra relationship stuff. So one one woman in particular in this article mentions that like you don't have to go through the cooking dinner and obligatory family functions. You can just communicate and get to know mm-hmm. each other and so that's something she feels more comfortable with. That helps her get to know her partner and communicate but not have any of that extra baggage of like, yeah, you know, dates <laughs> actual fucking dates yeah right being physically um, around them like yeah they don't have that fear there's another uh woman in the article who specifically uh sought out somebody under two criteria someone who was going to be in prison for a long time so this uh man she's seeing has a 25 year sentence and the jail is very far away so she could not visit so she wanted very specifically to just have that text or written communication or even right. a phone call, but not have any of the other in-person communications. Yeah, she's taken away that possibility of getting... It's just off the fucking table. It's gone. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. <laughs> and then you can really just get to know people through text, through 
con- yeah. conversation through and it's letters. That, em- that emotional connection that they are, are yeah. seeking without the fear of the other I'm, trauma that comes with. Exactly. The, they have a sentence here like, being <laughs> in a relationship allows her with this person, with Bill, the inmate, allows her to experience emotional availability and connection, mm. but on her own terms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So it's an interesting article kind of about the unique way in which these relationships exist and why. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we know that's not exactly Neha's position, but <laughs> theirs is no. a little bit different because it's a book. <laughs> and there's uh, shifters involved. And but there's, yes. Yeah. There's magic and shifters <laughs> and all kinds of fun things. So, yeah. but anyway, yeah. So that's, that's the article for today or for this week. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was the book. I think uh, long and short of it is I liked it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I uh, am excited for the next one. (laughs) So what do you give it then? What's your rating? Um, I think it's a solid eight. Okay. It's a it's a fun. uh, I really enjoyed the flipping of the relationship dynamic between Joe and Neha where, you know, he needed the saving and she was the steady, like, you know, logical one Mm -hmm. who was like not running around emotional, but like following a smart path of trying to figure out how to get out of the situation uh, alive for everybody. Cause I think he's too willing to just be like, well, it's if I die, I die. (laughs) Yeah. He was ready to give up. Mm -hmm. Yep. And she's like, no, I don't think that's the solution. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. should not be. If you die, you die. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I liked that. I thought that was fun. The different writing style, the blunt kind of, dialogue and the blunt sex scenes where it's just like hard and fast dirty sex was really fun to read quite a turn on and uh yeah Uh, action adventure characters (laughs) funny all of it funny sexy pansexual vampire irishman love it (laughs) so much diversity there was a ton of diversity in this book and all of the underlying stuff behind it that, that where she sets up the scene of yeah. the whole place. It's amazing. Yeah, I agree. I think eight is a perfect. I also very much agree with the bam, bam, bam for the sex. Like it was quick, blunt, and dirty and hard. And sometimes that's just the way. Like it is neat to have different sex. Like, yeah. We've read so much gentle, lovey sex, but like mm-hmm. sometimes you want a fucking hard, fast fuck. But also imagine like the delivery, the the delivery that Sulika gave us. She yeah. set up the environment, she set up the situation and everything, and then fucked us, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I was there was definitely in the early part where I was like, "How the fuck is this relationship?" Because it really felt like they were going to a trial, and I was just like, <laughs> "Me too." They're just gonna go to trial. Yeah. Like, how are they gonna have a relationship? You're not allowed to fuck your client when you're going to trial. Like, yeah, that's just not something you're supposed to do no. as a lawyer. <laughs> And I just, I could not for the life of me figure out how they were going to get out of this. And then all of a sudden, like, bullets start flying. And I'm like, oh, jailbreak. Okay. That's what's going (laughs) to For me, I was just like, no, I don't think these are the main characters. I actually thought that it was like an SUV episode, SUV, SVU episode, where they have, like, the people in the beginning. And then it's the story about somebody else. Yeah. That's why I was just like, because there's no way these two are going to be able to fuck with me. (laughs) Stuff happened. And now they're together. So it's beautiful. That first sex scene, I was so anxious for them because I, I i know they ran slightly further away but i was literally picturing them like in the alley behind the jail ha- or me behind too, the, me too. the courthouse oh, yes and i was like no you're not far enough away they're gonna find you <laughs> it's like you know sirens are raining on the street and cops are coming out and stuff and i'm just and they're just oh, yeah. standing right there next to the courthouse like fucking and i'm like no you have to get further away <laughs> no uh, you, no for me yeah i was just i was i was thinking these guys were like fucking on between <laughs> colfax and 14th yeah and like what what is it bannock or whatever that right, right there like, were the it's just <laughs> run run further oh go to the 16th street mall <laughs> also like our alleys are kind of large like i know this is new york so i oh, kept trying to picture yes. new york alleys right that's true <laughs> and so I'm, I, but I'm stuck in Denver's and Denver, like just have these wide car drive through alleys. Like these are yes. not alleys you should fucking because no. people can see them. Like, and there are people there all the time. There's always people in the alley. <laughs> yeah. If it's not someone that's transient, it's some 
construction worker it's or just, just people walk through alleys. To lunch. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's just normal. They're not they're not that dark and that scary, and they definitely <laughs> won't hide you if you're fucking in them. No, Don't fuck in all. the alleys here, guys. They're no, not good for that. Not but yeah, I kept trying to be like, oh, remember New York alleys, Kalina. Remember New York alleys. <laughs> like the ones that you see in movies. Yes. The real small, narrow, yes. dark, like sun, even Seedy. though it's still light out, sun doesn't mm-hmm. reach the bottom because of the tall buildings. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, awesome. But if I spend too much time thinking about New York alleys, then I think about how New York smells, and then I don't want to have sex Ooh. in an alley. <laughs> But does it smell worse than New Orleans? Sometimes. Oh. Uh, I don't know. They both were very stinky. Yeah. I think New Orleans because it's more fresh in my brain. And the heat. We were there. We were in New York in the spring, so it wasn't that hot. Yeah, that's true. But New cooler. Orleans is just always hot, and so its smell is a little bit more pungent. Yes, definitely. <laughs> All right. Okay, guys, so as we mentioned a little bit at the beginning of the episode, our next book, we're going to be reading The Bride Test by Helen Huang, narrated by Emily Wu Zeller. So this will close off us highlighting AAPI and recognizing Asian authors for our podcast. So hope you guys join us for that. And yeah, if anyone isn't aware, it's the second book in the Kiss Quotient series by Helen oh, yeah, Huang. Right. So, so last year we, we read the Kiss Quotient and we really loved that. And so this is book two in that series. So we're super excited to go back to that world. It is not paranormal. If everyone uh, remembers that episode, it is. Uh, contemporary but but still so damn good so fun oh so good and i think this is about michael's autistic cousin that was brought up a couple times in the book in in the first book so um i think so i, I could so. be making it up but i, I think, think it is so <laughs> look we won't know i will make corrections next episode if i'm wrong <laughs> If you guys have a chance, please join us for that one. Read it, listen to it, whatever, because we really enjoyed the first one and that one was uh, a lot of fun to talk about. So yeah. Yeah. So we will meet you next time for that book. And in the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us on social media at Dirty Books, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us directly at shdirtybooks at gmail.com. And in all those places, it is sh with three H's. And you can visit us on our website at shdirtybooks.com and most places that you can find podcasts. You guys can go there, rate, review, subscribe, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. That'd be great. And thank you so much for the music, Jim Townsend. With that, we're going to say good night. This is Sayla. And this is Kalina. And we'll see you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, you've been listening to Shh, Reading Dirty Books with Galena and Saylette. Be sure to tune in to the next episode. Get some more of your dirty books read to you. And if you're listening on a format that allows you to give a rating, please do that for them.